Craft and Career podcast series featuring conversations with professional creatives from the arts, entertainment, and media industries. Here we explore various approaches to craft and career and even consider how those two can sometimes work together. We're so excited to continue our conversation with Sheridan Loudon, artist, educator, advocate, editor of the Living and Sustaining a Creative Life book series, and the artistic director of the Chautauqua Visual Arts at Chautauqua Institution. So, Sharon, one thing I wanted to go deeper with you on, I, I felt like there wasn't as much room as I would have liked in the first session to get into your practice, actual practice, like um, tell us more about the kinds of installations you're working on. And then, and, and let's start there because I'm, I'm also interested in how, how that works in some of the community build and editing the books and those sorts of things. But let's, let's start, start with your, your work, the tangible reality of that thing that keeps you up at night working. Um, what does that look like nowadays? Well, I do these big installations because I found that I love the, a dialogue with architecture and having a discourse with architecture to not only disrupt it, but to oftentimes complement it, but also bring in the outside into the inside. And at times the work is like of nature, but not of nature in a literal sense. But it's also because of the nature of the materials I work with, it, it automatically becomes inclusive. So what I mean by that is the aluminum that I use, which is very rare, can only get it with one vendor in Canada. We haven't been able to find anybody here in this country who can sell it to us. And it's a a mirrored surface, but it allows me to move it around and to create these forms that have a dialogue with that architecture, but also immerse people in it. So they feel like they are inside that work. Also with aluminum, when this particular material, it appears very small, flat, but when you put it up, it, it looks massive and it has that illusion. So I love working in that illusion. But I also do private commissions and I just did one out of glass. And what I love about glass is that just metaphorically, symbolically, you know, glass is very beautiful. You can see through it, but it's very hard that you can't get through it. And I feel like much of my life has been that way as a woman, as a loud woman, as a woman who only has worn makeup one time in my life, but judged for that. And for me, These beautiful materials have eluded things that aren't so beautiful. And the the abstract gestures are are basically an abstraction that's that's allowing me to hide behind um, in this architecture that I can actually be that catalyst in the work too, where I can be back and be the observer. So that's where the connection is too, is that giving space over to that interaction. And oftentimes when I choose to do an exhibition at a museum and notice I said that choose to do it's it's a cho- a choice what we what we do and and also 80% of I know Lisa Turin say this a million times but 80% of the opportunities that I've been so humble to receive I've created those opportunities and so they've come from cold calls not picking up the phone but actually developing relationships I've helped to my husband who I've known for 43 years who probably hate me saying that is um, my project manager, a jazz musician, political activist. And we work together on many, many projects that can enable these things to work. And I'll just say about these projects, how they're so important to community fundamentally. Number one, when we put together a budget, okay, we always put together larger salaries than what is normally paid to artists. 
to create a higher wage and a living wage for artists. So we, on average, we pay artists 35 to $50 an hour. And when we are on site, they get the per diem every day. They have all their expenses paid, transportation to and from, from the minute they leave their house. That includes the taxi that goes to the airport. And to me, why do, we, why do I do that? Well, companies do that for their employees. Why aren't other artists doing that for other artists? And to me, take advantage of the opportunity and then make the case. And when I make the case to a museum or a private collector or whatever, they cannot refuse that because they're then making an action that has to do with human rights and humankind and be able to give importance to artists today. And I always hire artists, very important for me to do that. And I always have a great team of people who are generous and I always give them food and pay them during lunch. So little things like that. And I mean, I would love to give them health insurance, but I'm at a, not at a point yet where I can afford that. And sure, gosh, I could keep all that money myself and afford that, but I can't live that way. That's just not who I am. And then I love the extensions are that building these communities and having engagement with all of these people becomes creative in my studio. So I've done a couple collaborative projects with Harag Vartanian, who's a very close friend of mine. And so we've shown them in galleries and there's a big story about the last exhibition we did in New York, where the audience that came in were not gallery goers, but influencers. We had the most people we've ever had for a gallery show. People lined up outside, no kidding. You can see it on my website where they dressed for the, the exhibition, took the photograph and put it on Instagram. That's the best review that I ever want to have. So I love the idea, just like in making of the work, how unpredictable it can be. And, and yet the intentions hopefully are sincere to all of the work that I do with many people under this umbrella. Yeah. And that um, the extension, even from our first conversation, you know, the, the depth and import of community, I think, keeps being sounded in really important ways. It's great to hear. And I hope that's something that we can just impart, you know, to, to the audience and to listeners that how fundamental that is. I, I liked the fact that you were talking about, you know, the creativity, not just being in the production of material, right? That there's creativity that surrounds the administration, the connectivity, all those sorts of things. I think that's overlooked oftentimes. And it's great to hear uh, you singling that out and centering that. That brings up a question that I have, um, how you've been able to fit in, you know, uh, cultural criticism, editorial, writing, the book series. Um, maybe in, in light of that question, when you started that in relation to, you know, did that come later? Was that something that was always a point of interest for you? And then if it, it, if it did happen to come later, like what was the impetus? And, and would, we, would we advise back to younger artists to make those capacities, if they like to write, if they like to review material, if they like to be involved in media in other ways, is that something that you would you would promote for them to be exploring on top of their regular practice? Well, I think writing is essential for artists. I mean, I wish I could write better. Thank God, every everyone should have an editor, and and my husband's my editor. Just by looking at something, everybody, your mom, your dad, whoever you feel, also people who aren't visual artists, are great editors, because if you're not making sense to them, you should question that. Or if you're not making sense to yourself, that which happens to me a lot, 
I don't remember at Yale. I do remember I had some great art history classes with like David Nolan, who I loved. And I've forgotten who else I was with, but intense art history classes. But I just remember the struggle of writing. I hated it. And I still have massive amount of struggles writing and a huge amount of procrastination. But the way those books came about was very natural. You never know who's in the audience. Again, apply, 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 or get yourself out there. So I was volunteering for College Art Association, being on the Artists of Services Committee, also being a part of communities where you wanna have exchange and discourse and learn from. And so, and also like where you want to be a part of, to resist against, that's really important too. So to, to make it better, you, I truly believe that people can speak all they want from the outside of something, but unless you're really in it and working from within it, you, I think it's very hard to change it. And so my publisher was in the audience and she asked me to uh, write a book. And I, I said, I, I can't write an artist statement. I can't even write an artist statement. I'm not going to write a book. And then Vince, my incredible husband, who I adore, said, you're not going to write a book. And that kind of, that just sparked my fires. Like, hell yeah, I'm going to do this. So then my, my publisher said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to do something that I, I see as a need. How can, can we start conversations about how artists sustain a creative life? Because artists talk all about their work, but no one's really talking about the day in and day out. We really love to know that break down the mystery because the art world is often too opaque so that's how that came about there's nothing romantic about it and also i share the royalties with all the artists and my first book is in its seventh printing and in 2023 it'll be its 10-year anniversary still thriving and my second book is in its second printing and if i can just get this third book off the ground Hopefully that'll get out there and all sold in 24 countries. I'm really proud of it, but I'm not making any money from it. It's to me, there, there is such a thing as creative capital where you, you have in kind, if you start to think that in kind things are just as, or more valuable than money, you're going to be a rich person. That's great. And I highly recommend the book series, both the initial and then also the one that was more about content, like as producers of content, artists as producers of content. I think that would be, you know, a great for the reading list for anyone who's out there to check in on that. And you have a third book that's a bit of a, yeah. a, a struggle right now, it sounded like, or, or you're, you're... Last Artist Standing, yeah. Artist Over 50. Right. Right. Everybody laughs at that title. <laughs> I think it's a great title, but I don't, I don't know why people laugh, laugh. I guess I look at it more morbidly, but it's more about what does it mean to be successful? How long are you, can you do this for? And the, and the trajectory of, of very famous artists to artists you've never heard of. And also by having those artists in different levels, they're all equitable on the same page because they're in one book. Now, will this be the third in a trilogy or do you continue this series beyond the, the 50 mark? Well, it's very funny. The third in the trilogy, but then my publisher was saying we should do an anniversary edition, another living and sustaining creative life, but ten, uh, 40 new artists. And I said to him, that would be a great idea, but I had just have to get through this first. So, um, but I have a series. So I gave, uh, I gave contracts, me and my publisher gave contracts to editors who didn't have to apply for them. And I shared um, the opportunity for artists, uh, for other people to talk about 
different things that revealing different lives. Like for example, we have a book called Living and Sustaining Creative Life Storytellers, which is really art historians and how are art historians, what does it mean to be an art historian today? And I personally don't know why they're not on CNN or they're not actively out there in the public world. And I wanna know a definition of an art historian today. We're also having Living and Sustaining Creative Life writing living sustaining creative life theater. I have all these people working on these books right now. And so they're gonna be tailored to these groups and really do the same thing as the first two books did, is to have, start a conversation about how artists, at all different, I'm using that as a general term, live a sustainable life today. Right. This this has been such a rich conversation, Sharon. We're almost out of time. We you normally finish with kind of a quick fire couple questions on the, the practical side of things. So let's go there. If you could provide one piece of advice to start students down a similar path, you, you've touched on some of this, but maybe just reinforcing anything that's particularly of timely interest. What would that one piece of advice be? Stepping out the door from from this talk, what, 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 what do you want them to know? Uh, just don't be afraid of being generous. Keep that in their pocket, right? The generosity, the charity involvement. All the time. Fantastic. How about a decision or mistake that you would either go back and change, alter, you second guess, and you you can't say you, you wouldn't change anything because it's gotten to you to where you are because that's where everyone goes. <laughs> I, I regret caring so much what people think. That sounds really arrogant, but I, I'm saying it, I, th I think from a more woman a woman's point of view, like um, not speaking up, saying yes too much to things that I knew that were bad for me, saying yes to things that I thought were the right things to do for the right path. But there, there's all different ways of being an artist and there is no right path. There's a right path for you. Right. And finally, can you tell us one personal story, either warning or inspiring that helps us to better understand your relationship to what we will call industry? And I know that's kind of a loaded term but what you think about your placement in industry and one story that helps us to, 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 better, to better understand the navigation of that. I think other people are gonna judge where our places are in industry. I don't wanna, I don't even know what industry is at this moment. What's inspiring, there's so many things. God, the simplest of things. Um, I think one time I always had these high, 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 high expectations with gallery exhibitions, museum shows, et cetera. And one time has met my expectation once. And I'll never forget it. It was a, a, a film screening. I collaborated with the, with the head of film at the National Gallery of Art. See, that's the other thing. Artists can do that too. It's like, because curators are visionaries too. Don't be afraid of just developing relationships with these people because they, they don't have any more power than you do. She's amazing and learning from her and the film program went off like a hitch. And I, I will never forget that the rest of my life. It met those expectations. I don't think I could ever have that the rest of my life. And that's great once and that's enough. So it can happen. Yeah. I don't know how that happened, but it happened. It is. It's out there. It's elusive, but it's out there. And, it, and, and the fact that you're saying you don't need it again but you continue to collaborate and be part of you know all these things that you're putting forward maybe that's that's part of that sustained process that you come to terms with sharon thank you again so much for all of your candor commitment inspiration and energy for our audience next week make sure to come back around to talk craft and career with jennifer harrison newman performing artist and artistic director for the yale schwartzman center until then 
Don't be afraid to use the word career and always stay crafty. Thank you.